Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. I'm going to let you have a seat unless you want to stay standing during this whole thing. And uh, so I'm going to need a couple of minutes... Brother Matthew, I should make you stand. I can't make anybody do anything. Amen. I just need some help. Brother Joe, can I get y'all to help me real quick? And, and I need to pass these out. And uh, during the book of Acts, you're going to get a Bible study guide. Brother David, can you help a little bit? Brother Frank, here you go. And uh, Brother John, can you kind of... Here. There you go. I'll give you yours. And uh, kind of go to the book of Acts. And we're going to get right into it this evening. And I do ask that you be in prayer for... Um, just the Martinez family, mm. cannot imagine, just cannot imagine, 42 years of age, and uh, so if you would, and if you want to open up to the book of Acts, we're going to go through Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and uh, because it is Bible study, we are going to study the Bible, I hate to do that to you, but... Um, I, I do think that everything a church does, uh, this is going to be, yeah, we need some in the balcony? Kind of chunk it up there, amen? And uh, there you go. There you go. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. My dear brother, what's your name? I'm glad you're here. Where are you from? I, brother, my contacts... Totally messed up on me. I got glasses, and uh, mm. brother, you, you know what you call a man with no hair with a beard, Mr. Gravity. Amen. And uh, so, I'm just hoping God lets me keep mine. Amen. Because if I lose it, I'm gonna grow a beard. That's why John Robinson, you need to grow a beard. Frank, you need to grow. Oh, the rest of it. Okay. All right. All right. Just we'll make sure. Amen. Brother, thanks for thanks for being over here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we're gonna go through the book of Acts. And so I want to make sure everyone has one. And uh, Brother Joe, thanks for making the trek upstairs. We could have threw them to Brother Smith, and Brother Smith could have passed them out. Right. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Anybody else need one? Anybody else need one? All right. Oh, there you go, Miss Collins, all the way to the other end. You have some? Just put them right. Oh, do you need one? Yeah, give Brother Perry one if you don't mind. Even if you do mind, go ahead and give him one. So... Hey, let's pray, and then we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. God, I pray you'd help us now as we go through the Bible and we look at these truths that are just embedded in everything that we find. And God, I ask for your help articulate, articulating it. And Lord, I pray you bless and help us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And uh, we have four core values. They're on the side of the walls. We have the preeminence of Christ in the church. We have the propagation of the gospel to the world. Then we have the proper treatment of brothers and sisters. But then we have that fourth core value, and that is purity of doctrine. Doctrine is the foundation of what our church believes. Christianity is the expression of how we live. If we have bad doctrine, we'll have bad lifestyles because you live out what you believe. And here in the book of Acts, I'm going to read the introduction. You have it right there in front of you. 
When did the church begin? The answer to this question will qualify one's biblical understanding and education. There are two opposing views to the origin of the church. During Jesus' earthly ministry or during the book of Acts. The lesson from Acts 1 will help us qualify the birth of the New Testament church. The book of Acts is largely misunderstood by churches in general. Many churches have manipulated the 28 chapters and 1,007 verses of the book to build a pretense, a program, and a pedigree that is not contained within its pages. Even the average Baptist church has perverted the teaching of Acts to create a dogma unknown to God built on the traditions of man. An honest student of the Bible will not find a dispensational wall between the ending of the gospel and the day of Pentecost to prove the origin of the church. This must be shouted loud and clear from the rooftop. The book of Acts presents the continuation of the church. Now, this is very important. Whenever you're wanting to understand what kind of Baptist are you talking to, what kind of Christian are you talking to, all you have to do is start talking about when did the church begin. Now, this is foundational, but we would be shocked, my friend, how that across even independent Baptists, there's not a clear understanding or there's a fear of being very dogmatic of when did the church begin? You say, Pastor, what does it matter when the church began? I mean, what, what is really the big deal? Wherever we pinpoint point the church's birth has everything to do with how we run church. Now, now, this is very important because if we believe that the church began in the book of Acts, then the focus changes dramatically. There are four dangers, and I've left blanks on purpose in your study guide, and you can go ahead and take a pen and fill it out. The belief that the church started in the book of Acts brings a fourfold danger in church work. So as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to find out that the, the book of Acts is this continuation. And, and we're going to read a couple of scriptures here. First of all, would you write it? Just fill in the blank. The first danger is the danger of focusing on the apostles more than Jesus Christ. So the danger here in the very first one is that there's a focus on the apostles more than Jesus Christ. From this belief that the church started on the day of Pentecost, if this is, if this is the premise, you're going to find out this is where you have your apostolic churches. This is where you have your Catholic churches. And this is where you have Protestants. Now, there is a difference between Baptists and Protestants. Now, I say amen to that, not out of pride, but out of how humbled I am that I get to be a part of this. And Jordan and I were talking about world religions today in the office, and, and he said, you know, Dad, he said, I heard a preacher say that when you meet somebody from another religion, that you should not go into it with the hopes of humiliating them or trying to demean them, but you would hope that you would go into any discussion of sowing a seed of doubt that would grow into a fruit of belief. This is where we need to be at. 
And I'm sure, Brother John Hong, you face this much more than we do with Buddhists and people in that part of the country that they're steeped in religion. The Bible speaks of a twofold child of hell. A twofold child of hell is not only the child of God, excuse me, the, the child that is going to hell. Can, can I tell you that before Christ, you were a one-fold child of hell? You were on your way to hell. A twofold child of hell is one that embraces that doctrine that would send somebody to hell. And now they have a belief system that is steeped in works. And now they are trying to get other people to believe this belief system. They now are a two-fold child of hell. Not only are they going to hell, but they have embraced a religion that will keep them bound going to hell. And now they're trying to get other people to believe that. That's why missionaries are very important. That is why the gospel is very important. That's why churches are very important. And I just want to say I appreciate everyone paying attention because I know that it's Wednesday night. And my goodness, I, I know how busy your week has been. And I just admire you for being here. But, but understand that if you look at the book of Acts as, well, the church started here and everything before it was just a Jesus movement, then all of a sudden, because Jesus' presence is absent in the book of Acts, then we're going to start focusing on apostles. And this is where people think that there is apostolic power that is available to people. Get ready, because there will be Baptist churches that you will hear will start proclaiming they have healed somebody. But it all comes back to this. When do you think the church began? So the second danger is this, the danger of the Holy Spirit being the focus rather than Jesus. Now, we're going to get into it, but this is a danger. You say, Pastor, is that blasphemous? Not when you understand that Jesus said, we're going to look at it, that Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be the one that will bear witness of who? Of Christ. You know somebody is being controlled by the Holy Spirit because of their message, which is about who? Jesus Christ. Would we not agree in the book of Acts that the height of Holy Spirit fullness was the day of Pentecost? Yes or no? Yes. Would you go to Acts chapter 2? And, and, and this, is, this is the next couple of weeks study. So we know that. But we overlook verse 22. Ye men of Israel... Hear these words. I want you to go there. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. The Holy Spirit was a rushing mighty wind, and he came in, and the cloven tongues and the fire that we just saw. You are not going to believe what we just... Is that what your book says? No, No. The Bible says that when Peter stood up to preach, he never mentioned about what happened in the upper room. He just started preaching Jesus. And then the beginning of Acts chapter 2 said this. How heard we every man? Heard every man in his own language about what? The Holy Spirit? No. About who? Jesus. So this is where when churches try to mystically bring in the Spirit, 
go to the end of Ephesians chapter 5. Boy, this is going to be a good Bible study. Amen. I'm going to get a lot of ones, emails on this one. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, he, he, he is talking about, and we come down to verse 20. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the what? Church. So now we're talking about the church. Keep reading. It says this in verse number 24. Therefore, as the what? Church is subject unto who? Christ. Did it ever talk about the church and the Holy Spirit? No. no. And there's a reason for that. Because go to the very end. So we go through this, this comparison for marriage, talking about the church, and, and we're walking back and forth. Look at verse 32. Look what it says here. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the what? Church. The relationship that this church shares with its owner, which is Jesus Christ, is a mystery. In other words, we're always unlocking this relationship. Here is the relationship that we're always unlocking. How in the world could a holy God through his son love me? So the whole relationship here in Ephesians 5 between a husband and a wife, husband representing Christ, wife representing the church is this, is that Christ loves us, he nourishes us, he cherishes us, and then guess what we do? We submit to him, he loves us, he nourishes us, he cherishes us, and then we submit to him, he loves us, and he cherishes us. How? It's a mystery, not mystical. But when a church tries to become mystical, and when you become mystical, then you have to incantate. You have to have incantations. You have to conjure up. You have to now bring up from the dead. I'll get into it next week, case in point. When Saul wanted to get to Samuel, where did Saul have to go? To the witch of Endor. And what was the automatic response from Samuel? Why have you bothered me? God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the what, please? Living. He is light. In him is no what? Shadow at all. And that's why when churches, go back to Acts chapter 1, that's why when churches believe, well, the church started the day of Pentecost, then guess what they're always looking for? The wind, the fire, the tongues, the mystical, and there are churches that are falling into this. Here's the problem. You have to, at some point, keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Because when you deal with the Spirit, you're dealing with something. What did he say? What did Jesus say? I'm getting into next next lesson. He said, the wind bloweth wherever it what please listeth who did he compare that to spirit of god you see we are locked in a generation of church work to where churches honestly believe the more emotion that is experienced on a sunday the more the holy ghost of god was there y'all listen to this anytime that word's opened up he's there amen He's there. So there's a danger. So when did the church begin? 
The danger of focusing, if you say it begin in the book of Acts, there's a danger of focusing on the apostles. The danger of the Holy Spirit being the focus rather than Jesus. Number three, the danger of focusing on the individual rather than the church. There's a danger. If you say, well, pastor, I... I believe, and I'm going to show you some things here. I believe the church started on the day of Pentecost. It started in Acts chapter 1. Then you must understand that if we do this and we say that Jesus had nothing to do with the forming of the church, then all of a sudden the only one we can look to is the highest human representative that's in the church. Please know this. I don't want responsibility for y'all. I don't want to be the end all for everybody that comes to this church. I am glad. I'll give my money. I'll give my time. I'll give everything. I'm not dying for you. Blood's where I draw the line. So understand that it's, it's focuses on individuals. Okay, case in point. Go to 1 Corinthians, if you will. Go to 1 Corinthians. Now, remember the acts, the acts of the apostles are nothing more than the groundwork for the epistles. Okay? So if you want to know what's going on in the book of Acts, there are, there are cities referenced in the book of Acts that you will find letters written to these churches, and this is one of them. So, so if the book of Acts is where the church began, then there's a danger of focusing on the individual. Look at, look at first, mm, first Corinthians chapter 1. Yes, yes, here it is. First, look at verse number 12. Verse 11. Oh, good grief, it's all good. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look the Lord straight and say, I mean, you did a good job, sir. Not man. Sir, you did a good job. He's going to say, I know. Look at verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, verse 10, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no what, please, division among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So there's this church in the house of Chloe. Now this I say that every one of you say, I am of what, Paul? I am, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What happened was, is that the church, you can go back to the book of Acts if you want to, the church started expanding and exploding, and now you have all kinds of church leaders. If the church was built and started in the book of Acts, then the church's hierarchy would stop with its visible leader. Do you know what kind of problem we would have? And now you know why the Catholic church, who do they consider the first pope? Peter. And now succession of the pope or the popery. <laughs> um, the succession of that smelly stuff, guess what it's doing? It now gives us a pope. And now this pope is the highest. He can even speak ex cathedra. You know what that means? Doesn't matter what that book says. If it comes out, then this is dogma. This, ladies and gentlemen, that's why we must be careful. We are Baptist people. And the reason we are Baptist people and the church you attend does not believe that the church started on the day of Pentecost or started in the book of Acts. And I know, say, Pastor, it's like, this is like watching a haircut. I watched many a good haircut going, mm, if you only knew what they were doing to your head, you wouldn't be. Anyway, so, so, so then, then if you would, number four, and then we're going to go through. The fourth danger, if you think the church started in the, in, in the book of Acts, is you focus on results more than what? Responsibility. 
<laughs> I said more than what? You know, you have it filled in, do you? More than responsibility. So the danger of focusing on the apostles more than Jesus Christ. The danger of the Holy Spirit being the focus rather than Jesus. The danger of focusing on the individual rather than the church. And the danger of focusing on the, what, result more than the responsibility. At the end of Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that there were 3,000 people that were added. Now, I want you to look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day there were added unto them about what, please? 3,000 souls. If the church started in the book of Acts, then what happens is, is all of a sudden, oh, look what the Holy Ghost did at the first half. Look at what happens when the Holy Ghost gets involved at the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus gets involved, lives are changed. Okay, so now let's, let's you know, I feel like, have you, have you ever had them readers to where, ding, okay, ding, you can turn the page. All right, go back to Acts chapter 1. The very first thing is right there. The book of Acts is a continuation of the church, not the beginning. Look at letter A. The former treatise, if you'll look in verse number 1 of Acts 1, the former treatise spoken of in Acts 1 is referring to the gospel of Luke, in which Luke gave an account of everything Jesus did while he was on the earth. So everything I'm about to give you tonight is to show you there is no stopping and beginning. It's a continuation. So when you turn from the end of the book of John to the beginning of Acts chapter 1, it never stops. There is no Jesus done, church begins. This is not Jesus' plan. So understand that the former treaties, letter B, Acts is the second treaties given to Theophilus. So now if you would kind of hold in Acts chapter 1, go back to Luke chapter 1, and let's kind of just straddle this if I could, all right? So I have, I have Acts 1 right here. I have Luke 1 right here. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. Are you there? Luke chapter 1, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. You see that? Now from there, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until when? Verse number 2 until the day in which he was taken up. Are y'all there? Okay, so now we understand. So now let's kind of sew the two together. On letter C right there, you have Luke 24. You probably already figured that out. And then Acts 1. So we're going to go to Luke 24 at the very end. So go all the way to the end of the book of Luke. And we're going to take a thread and tie the two together. Luke chapter 2 and look at verse number 49. Okay, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 10. Okay, so because we need to understand the church did. So how do you answer people? How do you answer people when they say, where's the biblical proof that the church continued? All right, so if you go to the end of Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and behold, I send the promise of my father unto you, but tarry ye in the city where, please? 
of Jerusalem, Acts 24, 49. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued from power, with power from on high. And he led him out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now go to Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, so shall in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Look at verse 12. Then returned they unto where? Jerusalem. If you'll flip back to Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49, he said, tarry in Jerusalem. So you're going to find out that the end of Luke and the first. So here's what Luke said. Hey, Theophilus. You know that first thing I wrote to you, that first account? That's all Jesus began to do and teach until he was ascended. Now he writes the book of Acts. Please know this. If our Savior did not start the church, we are at the mercy of the mysterious, the mystical, not an ever unfolding mystery. Who done it? Was it Colonel Mustard with the pipe in the library? Who was it? But when we get all down to it, who did it? And can I tell you something? You and I will spend a lifetime going, man, this is a mystery. But aren't you glad when you unlock that door and you step into a room, you go, I didn't know it meant that. Sitting right there in the second row had, had, had one of our young single, single ladies look at me. She said, you know what I didn't know? And that look on her face at her age being in this church all of her life was just a look of, I didn't know that. I had no, you know what she did? She found a mystery. This is when we can grow. So understand that the two, look at, look at two. The book of Acts is a continuation, that's a continuation of a topic taught by Jesus. And the topic, topic was this, the Holy Spirit. So I want you to go to John chapter 16. So go to John chapter 16, verse 4 through 15. And I'll let you read this on your own. But in John chapter 16, verse 4 through verse number 15... You have a, it's a continuation. So when you look at the book of Acts, this is a continuation, and here's why. The continuation is Jesus was teaching about the Holy Spirit in John 16. So if you would write the, the blank right there is letter A. John 16, 4 through 15 teaches the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the believer and in the world. So if you read through here, he said this in verse number 7. Look what it says there. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the what? World. So Jesus, before he left, said, look, I, I, I need to talk to you about some, something. I'm going away. When I go away, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to do. The Holy Spirit is going to be working in the world around you. Boy, this is so important. 
The gospel is powerful. You want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in the world around you. Do you know why the devil keeps falling flat on his face in people's lives? Because it's found right there. Look, look at verse number 11. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is what? Judged. Judged. Do you know why alcoholism takes people to the bottom and they have a good time going down, but when they hit the bottom, say, what, what fell apart? Because that's what the spirit does. The spirit gets ahead of the devil and trips them up. Bam, they fall down. Why? Because they need to know my only hope is I need Jesus. So the spirit is in the, that's why he didn't say pray for the harvest. He said, pray for laborers. Do you know what the biggest thing you could ever pray for was somebody away from the Lord or somebody lost? You know what the biggest thing you could ever pray for is that God puts people around them. Miss Elizabeth, I know your heart and we've been praying heavy. But can I tell you something, Miss Elizabeth? The best thing we can pray for are for people to be around your husband. And I can tell you right now, God's answering prayer. Amen. I met somebody around her husband. I said, hey, do you know? He said, yeah, I know who he is. Do you know why God put that believer there? Because the Holy Spirit is in this world, and the Holy Spirit, look at the three things it's doing. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. Of judgment, because the... So the Holy Spirit has been left. This is what Jesus was teaching when he was on this earth. His topic was, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit and what the role of the Holy Spirit is. Now, and, and then in the believer, how be it the Spirit of truth when he come? Look at verse 13. He will what? Guide you into all truth. So Jesus' topic in John 16 was this. Look, I want to talk to you before I leave about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will be put in the world and the Holy Spirit will be put in you. That's the purpose. But then when you get to the book of Acts, the same topic comes up, not by Peter, but by the founder. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. Acts chapter 1 verse 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Without this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father, but ye shall receive power after that, what please? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. There was no need for the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1 at this juncture because Jesus was still with them. But listen to what he said. And ye shall be what? Witnesses. So put in the blank. Acts 1, 6 through 8 teaches the impact the Holy Spirit will have on the world through the believer. So now the focus changes. Jesus said, hey, I need to talk to y'all about something. When I go away, earthly Jesus, when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter. When I send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be in the world to trip everything up, to make people of righteousness. Why? I just can't get it right. I'm never good enough. It never works for me. How come I'm never accepted? Because righteousness is only found through Jesus Christ. Amen. How come this is never working out? Because following the devil, he always gets judged. Don't you love God's word? And this is why a church believes that Jesus did this. When he was alive, he started the church. Because in the Acts, now is when the Holy Spirit 
comes and brings a power in us. He is still in the world tripping them up. He's still in the world going, you know that doesn't satisfy. He is still in the world. This is his job. But now he's in the believer, and now the believer on the inside, when we witness, this is how we impact the world. Do you remember, do you remember the disciples that couldn't fix somebody who was sick? Remember that? They had to go get Jesus. That is a physical representation of salvation. But where everybody had to come to Jesus while he was on this earth, guess what we get to do? We get to take Jesus to them. We take the impact. Look, look at, look at the, the third statement. The book of Acts is the continuation of the same leader in a different form. Boy, time is, we're right on time. Acts 1, 3 through 5. Would you please go there? You're in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many, what is the next word, please? Infallible, undeniable, infallible, true. So by many infallible proofs. So there, the very Roman numeral three, letter A, in Acts 1, 3 through 5, the church is now hearing from a risen Jesus and not a, an earthly Jesus. This is the same leader. The difference is this. When they heard him, he was a, this is now the risen Jesus, but it's the same Jesus. He's just not the earthly, the letter I underneath there. Jesus gave them infallible proofs that he was the risen son of God, okay? Like he gave them infallible proofs in the gospel that he was the visible son of God. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, he touched the lepers, they were clean. He stopped the sea. He raised the dead. He did all these physical things. You know what they said? Oh my goodness, like you're the son of God. You know what he said to Peter? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. <laughs> when anybody around you revealed this to you, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then he looked at Martha and said, you believe? She goes, I believe. Because Jesus had to do these signs to prove he was the creator. Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree. What do you mean you saw me under the tree? Because he's God. He made the tree, he made the ground he sat on, and he made the man that sat underneath the tree. He's got x-ray vision. This is amazing. Don't you love this? And then now we have the risen son of God. And I listed there, we're not going to go through them, but I listed, he, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Now think about this. The other Mary, Salome, Joanna, and at least the other woman, Peter, Cleophas, another disciple on the road to Emmaus, the 11 disciples minus Thomas, the 11 disciples, seven disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, the disciple at the mountain in Galilee, 500 brethren at once, James, then the disciples in Jerusalem. you know what he said? Uh-uh, nope, nope, I'm going to be my own witness. So he, he, now the risen son says, I'm going to prove to you I'm he. 
And so he does this. Why? Because he wants us to understand the church did not start in the book of Acts with man. It started with the Son of God while he was on this earth. You see the continuation? Letter B, page number four there in your notes. Jesus now has come in the risen body, having spent 40 days proving it was he. Now they will see him ascend. So now let's talk about probably the most important part of this study tonight. Letter four, Roman number four. The book of Acts is the continuation of the same CEO, but a different COO. Now, CEO means chief executive officer. COO means chief operating officer. If I could put it this way, Brother John is our COO of the church Bible publishers. Brother Moore is the COO of our seminary. Brother, Brother Castillo is the COO of our Christian school. I am the CEO because I look at the COO and say, this is how I want operations to go. I look at the COO and say, Brother Moore, this is how I want operations to go. Brother Castillo, this is how I want operations to go. Hey, check this one out. But do you know who the COO is of Emmanuel Baptist? And do you know who the CEO is of Emmanuel Baptist? The CEO is him. The COO is Mawa. Bob Mawa Gray. Don't, know, don't ask me how to spell it. So go to Matthew 16, 13. And this is why you find pastors who think they own the church. Very rarely will you ever hear me say, my church, my deacons, my people. Want to know why? I don't believe the church started in the book of Acts. And it is very telling when I hear somebody say, well, my deacons, my men, my ladies. Look, let me, can I tell you something? Church is not a harem. The church is not a slave market. The church is the bride of Christ. Do you know how many times I've stepped in to a bride before she got married? And the moment, the moment that, that, that a young man asked a lady to marry her, let me tell you something, that's the moment somebody better step back and somebody better say, that woman's a bride. She's not a wife yet. She's a bride. And the reason we are called the bride of Christ is because we're not married yet. You know what? With all, don't, no, all us married men will understand this. Probably the, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that one alone. Look at Matthew chapter 16. I keep forgetting we're live. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It says this, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, whom do men say that I am? And they said, some say that John the Baptist, some Elias, um, and other Jeremiah's and one that prophet. He saith unto them, but whom say ye? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art what? Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now this is very interesting to me because now you have Jesus claiming that he's the CEO. When he said, and you can fill it in, upon this rock. So when he said, Pete, upon this rock, then he said, I will build. 
Now he is not only the chief executive officer, but now he's the chief operational officer. Hey, them boys didn't have to worry about nothing when Jesus was on this earth. All they had to do was carry baskets. Think about it. All they had to do was get in the boat. They didn't have to do anything. Be why? Because the CEO and the COO, so let her be in Ephesians 2.11. I want you to go there. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Now remember, the acts of the apostles, can find, you can find it lived out in the epistles. So go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. So letter B, we find the apostles were the COO of the church while Jesus remained the CEO. So when Jesus ascended, the church didn't change except now the CEO is back at headquarters and now he's left these men in charge. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 11. Wherefore, am I in the right one? And I hope I got this right. Nope, I got it wrong. 2.20. Ah, man. Sorry about that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Kind of cross that out. I made a mistake. And came... Just don't email the CEO. Would you do that for me? Okay. And, uh, and came and preached peace to you, which were far off to them nigh. For through him... We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the house of God and are built upon the foundation of the what? Apostles and what? Prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the what? Chief cornerstone. Please know this, that when he said to Peter in Matthew 16, he said, look, Pete, you're Peter. I'm Christ. Now, upon this rock we'll build the church. Upon this rock I'll build but when I'm gone, I'm going to leave the building to you. You are the ministers by whom people believe. Colossians 1.18, we find Jesus, letter D, the CEO of the church, is to be the preeminent one in the church. Go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16. Colossians chapter 1. Because when you think the church started, all has to do with who gets all the preeminence. Do you know there are some churches where the pastor is bigger than Jesus Christ? And that's how he gets away with murder. Not literally. Colossians 1.18, look at it. Verse 16, for by him are all things created. There in heaven, there in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. That's not me. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the what? Do you know what's really sad is? Is that people straighten up when the pastor comes around. I hate to tell you this. The CEO has always been watching. And we all better straighten up because it doesn't matter what I see. He looking. And that's why I get a kick out of people. Oh, the pastor's here. Be quiet. I just start laughing. Look. I'm just operations manager. The boss man writes the paycheck. He's, y'all hear that? He's the one that takes care of you. I'm just here for operations. So then he has the preeminence. Look at letter E uh, because I'm done. Letter E. In 
1 Peter 5, 4, we are told the, CEO, told the CEO, Jesus Christ, will return. Would you go to 1 Peter chapter 5? And this is why all of us need to understand the church started in the Gospels with Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry. I'm just showing you from Acts chapter 1 the continuation, if you will. So how do we know? Because we know from Matthew 16, he leaves in Acts chapter 1, but we know throughout the epistles, which are a result of the Acts, that he is the preeminent. He, but look at 1 Peter 5. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partaker of the glories which shall, which, that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by what? constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither as being lords over god's heritage but being as samples to the flock and when the what chief shepherd shall appear letter e in first peter 5 4 we are told the ceo jesus christ will return will return the, the the best illustration i can put on this is when Mr. Cotton left me in charge of the electronics department, service merchandise. I was in charge, electronics. I was 19 years old. I'm in charge. Got my big old name badge. I was telling everybody what to do. And I was in the middle of telling somebody what to do. And old Mr. Cotton come walking in. And when he walked in, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, go stand with the rest of the employees. I got demoted that quick. Hey, hey, watch this. When he comes walking through the side door, Bobby has got to go sit down. And then guess what Bobby becomes? Yes, sir. But if you believe the church started an act, then here's how most pastors pastor. Yeah, Jesus, if you'll sit down, I still got something to say. Come on. This is the difference. So when people are looking for a church, the very first question I would ever ask is, when do you believe the church started? Because if they say, oh, it started in the book of Acts, then all of a sudden, whether they realize it or not, there's this apostolic entitlement that starts rather than a whole holy respect this is his house I'm not to lord I am not to do this by constraint I'm not I'm to do this willingly the very last section we'll get in next week is this the book of Acts is the continuation of the same government so how do you know the church started back in the book of Acts because the business they had to take care of in Acts chapter 1 the the program was set back in Matthew chapter 18 and and it's very interesting and I'll let you study that and so I thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview we trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours please visit us at ebclongview.com if we can do anything for you please let us know have a great day